It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio, KCAW Sitka. Today is Wednesday, August 31st, 2022. I'm Aaron Fulton with Raven News. School buses are running in Sitka as usual, although a few more drivers would help. Sitka Schools Superintendent Frank Hauser reports that the driver shortages plaguing South Central schools, which have forced Anchorage to rely on active-duty military personnel to take shifts behind the wheel, are not as serious an issue in Sitka. Road construction, however, has been the bigger challenge. You know, we have had some delays due to the construction on Sawmill Creek Road, um, but we've been working with the contractor to minimize the impact on that. Um, but everything's running normally. So, um, yeah, we're, we're lucky there compared to, um, you know, maybe other, uh, uh, other districts across the state, let's say. School buses in Sitka have been seen with signs in their windows advertising for drivers. Hauser says the bus company is trying to supplement its staffing for all the driving that's needed during the course of the year. Even in you know other districts that I've worked in, uh, there's been need for sub-bus drivers and everything. And it's always nice to have, I mean, we have substitutes for our schools just in case somebody's sick. And so it's always nice to have substitute bus drivers too in case there's a field trip or something else that comes up too. And, you know, I think that's an important, uh, important part of the process as well. Sitka's school bus service is provided by Sitka Tours. Owner Trudy Pruitt confirms that her drivers are covering all the routes, but she is short-staffed, and traffic at the roundabout has been horrendous. She says, we ask for patience, we ask for understanding. We're doing our best to get all kids to school. It's not an uncommon story for cultural artifacts or tribal property to go missing or fall into the wrong hands. A less common story? For those objects to be returned. In Sitka this July, a Kiksadi clan house was repatriated after nearly 20 years in the possession of another clan. Its new legal owner, Jarek Hope Lang, hopes the historic exchange will spur a greater conversation about repatriation. KCAW's Tosh Kimmel reports. To the untrained eye, the overgrown vacant lot on Catlian Street may seem like just that. But to the Kiksadi clan, it's a significant cultural site. This plot of land is where the Kiksadi clan house known as the Point House once stood. Last month, after over 20 years outside of Kiksadi possession, it's been repatriated to its home clan. So the property was passed down in Western culture um, via a will. It was my understanding that the house was torn down maybe in the 80s or late 70s. Jarek Hopelang, a Juno-based member of the Kiksadi clan, now holds the deed. Although no longer physically standing, Hope Lang says the Point House still holds immense cultural significance. Conceptually, we all know that we refer to our people as from the Point House. So the physical structure may not exist, but we as a people do. So the concept of the house being gone, that's just a physical structure. In Clinkett tradition, property and clan affiliation are passed through the matrilineal line, unlike in Western culture where property is passed from both parents. Because marriage usually takes place between different clan members, to keep property within the hands of the rightful clan, it can't be passed down through the nuclear family. But in the case of the Point House, that's exactly what happened. Caught in the clash between Clinkett tradition and Western property law, it was passed down patrilineally, falling outside of Kiksadi possession. But this isn't an isolated event. Last year, another clan house collapsed after years in bureaucratic limbo without a caretaker, spurring Hope Lang to act. The Coho house fell down, and I just felt like it was like a real, like, um, 
it was like a now or never thing for me. Over the course of a decade, Hope Lang developed a close friendship with one of the last two living heirs of the Point House, who declined to be interviewed for this story. They discussed an exchange before, but never followed through. In July, Hope Lang decided to ask again. She had agreed at some point that she wanted to disperse her half of the property to me. I was excited, but also nervous. I was like, I'm going to Sitka, do you want to come with me? And she said, I'd love to go. I said, well, let's have a conversation with the attorney over there and see what this process looks like. From Juno, they traveled to Sitka, where conveniently, the other remaining heir was located. Hope Lang says he wasn't planning on signing anything that day, but as fate would have it, both remaining heirs agreed to sign the deed. And by the end of the day, he was the new legal owner of the property. I was just kind of in shock because I just thought we were having a conversation. Now, he plans to have the house rebuilt as a mixed-use gathering space. He hopes the revitalization of his clan house will spark a broader conversation around repatriation. Our clan house revitalization could be more than this project. I think it starts here with this land back concept and how we identify that as individual clans beyond our tribes and how we move forward in that and act in that. I'm excited that future Kiksadi children can walk into a place and say, this is my clan house. According to the National Center for Preservation Technology and Training, there were once 43 standing clan houses in Sitka's Indian Village District. Now, only nine remain. They've been kind of coming down, slowly disappearing. Um, and they've kind of been replaced with, uh, with empty lots that get used for uh, storing fishing gear and other uh, industrial uh, gear. So That's James Polson, a member of the Sitka Historic Preservation Commission. He says the proposed rebuilding of the Point House would not only be a cultural milestone, but a historical one. It would be the first 21st century clan house built uh, in, in Sitka. One of the few remaining clan houses is the Porch House. Chuck Miller is its caretaker. Hello. Hi. Hey, come on in. We're in Kayashkahit in Tlingit. It's translated as either the platform house or the porch house. Um, our family refers to it as the mother Coho house because it was the very first Coho clan house built when the Coho people first came about. So all the other Coho houses come from this house. Miller's clan house is one of the only functioning clan houses left in Sitka, and therefore acts as a cultural hub for other Coho clan members. We have meetings here still. And we have people lie in state here when they pass away underneath our family screen to show them honor and respect. That's kind of what clan houses are all about. Unlike the Point House, the Porch House was passed down to Miller according to tradition from his maternal uncle. As he explains it, Clinkett tradition recognizes property as being collectively owned. So when Western law arrived in Sitka, entire families of 10 to 15 people would sign the deed. According to Miller, it wasn't a piece of paper, but an unwritten agreement that's kept his house within the rightful clan. It wasn't written. It wasn't on paper that said, this is how it's going to be. It was just an unwritten thing that says, if I pass, it'll go to my spouse. My spouse will turn it over to the rightful clan, which would be my clan. That way you don't have to go through 15 people's signatures to get that permission to whatever. So we've done it that way since I've been here, since my uncle was here, since his uncle was here. So we've figured out a way around it somehow. After 25 years as caretaker, Miller says the porch house is more than a building. It's a point of pride. I mean, growing up for me here, I lived down the street literally, and I remember coming into this clan house when I was a very small young child and having all my family here, family functions, meetings, food, etc., having a clan house rebuilt here would be something 
pretty huge, I think, and uh, applaud the Kicksetties for wanting to get this done and taking care of it. Hope Lang wants to see the exact same thing for the Point House. For the Klan House to be rebuilt now, or at least in the lifetime of those generous enough to return it. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Tosh Kimmel. All of the major cruise lines at Visit Juno have signed an agreement with the city. It's the first of its kind in Alaska. This was kind of the grab bag of issues that came out of the task force that we wanted to get down on paper early or first. That's the city's tourism manager, Alexandra Pierce, referring to the city's visitor industry task force. The industry's commitments range from sharing ship schedules in advance to keeping big outdoor screens turned off while in port. The industry will also support using cruise ship passenger taxes to expand Centennial Hall. Renee Limoges-Reeve of Cruise Lines International Association in Alaska says there's no enforcement mechanism. It's just an agreement made in good faith. But she said the cruise lines do get something back, even if the text doesn't really capture it. I wouldn't say that we, we give up a lot. What I would say is that we are able to have a welcoming environment when we come to Juneau. And it's important, again, that we are good partners in the communities that we visit, but we are welcome. Both Reeve and Pierce say this collaborative agreement is a huge shift from the adversarial relationship that came to a head in 2016 when CLIA sued the city over its collection and use of cruise passenger taxes. The judge's 2018 ruling in that case led the city and the industry to work together to decide how to spend those passenger taxes. I would far rather have conversations and come to collaborative solutions this way than through anything like a a lawsuit or a a regulation or a law. I'd rather just have a conversation and, and make sure that we are following the will of the community. Pierce says this agreement complements other longstanding relationships in Juneau. In addition, Tourism Best Management Practices, the industry's voluntary program for fielding and responding to community complaints, will continue. You know, all of these different organizations and programs work together in in concert to manage tourism in our community. And this is just another effort and another tool and direct with the cruise lines as opposed to through a third party of some sort. Pierce says this may be the first of several agreements to come out of the 2020 task force, whose work was delayed during the pandemic. Taking a look at the community calendar. The Norwegian Jewel makes an unscheduled port call in Sitka today, making Lincoln Street closed to vehicular traffic from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. The Sitka Health Needs and Human Services Commission meets at noon today at Harrigan Centennial Hall. And youth of all ages are invited to find mermaids and ocean creatures hiding at Sitka Public Library and decode a secret message for a chance to win a prize, Wednesday, August 17th until Saturday, September 17th. I'm Aaron Fulton, and this has been Raven News. Thank you.